Hi, it's Robin McMahon here. I'm the host of Parenting Our Future. And if you're listening to this podcast, I want to thank you so much for being here. I also want you to know that I'm a former angry mom. I used to yell and rage and threaten and punish my kids because I wasn't getting the cooperation or the behavior that I felt I should be getting. And I struggled for many years, not knowing how to change or knowing what to do differently. It wasn't until I found the world of peaceful parenting that I learned why my kids acted the way they did and also why I was so angry and triggered. I was able to heal my anger and leave my triggers behind so that I could focus on being the calm and confident parent I always expected myself to be. I can tell you that feeling connected to your kids is the best feeling in the world. My two boys are teenagers now, and we have a strong relationship that is rooted in deep connection. And where there is connection, there's cooperation. Parenting is the most important job we do, but it's the hardest job we do. And we do it without understanding the fundamentals of the way our kids grow and develop. We do it without knowing the way their brains work or what their behavior is actually really telling us. So it's no wonder it's so hard. And it's okay to ask for help. It's okay to say, this is harder than I thought it would be. And that's where I come in. I can help you and I can support you so that you can have the cooperation and enjoy being a parent. You can book a free call with me on my website, parentingforconnection.com. And if you want to download my free guide, how to turn a no into cooperation, go to triggerfreeparents.com. I really hope you enjoy the show. Thanks for listening. Hey, everybody. It's Robin here again. And my special guest, Brent Bruning, is here with me. And you know all about him from last week. If you don't, go back and listen to last week because it was so, so good. Brent is the author of The Power in Your Hands, and he has been a master hand analyst for many years. And just to reiterate, this is not about woo-woo palm reader with a, you know, I picture like a turban and a crystal ball and a little tent at the fair. This is not what he does at all. He really looks at the science of your hands based on the lines that are made by your nervous system. And so um, again, you want to go back to last week's episode if you don't know what I'm talking about right now, because he lays out some really fundamental details that are I mean, they were, to me, they were staggeringly interesting. And um, I was, I, I loved every second of it because even the little bits that he's told me are absolutely true. I can definitely see that with myself and with my own kids. So he's already kind of nailed it, but he has not done a, a full analysis on myself. And I gave him the challenge of doing my husband and my kids. So uh, with their permission, we're going to talk about me and them. And I have no idea what he's going to say. So this is just really an example of what he does. So I'm excited and you get to learn more about me uh, as we go here. So I'll leave it to you, Brent, take it away. <laughs> Thank you, Robin. Uh, so uh, for those that are listening, um, parents likely, uh, but um, just in general, I want you to understand something before I start into this. Uh, you might even be listening to this episode uh, for the first time, uh, not knowing what the heck this is. So where, what you're looking at here is somebody's life pattern, and you're looking at an epigenetic pattern. So if you don't want to know what the definition of epigenetic, that is a 
way in which your conditioning over a lifetime gets passed down to another generation. Now, this is known, right? So everything I'm talking about here is you know, grounded in science. And this is how it, it, it uh, develops, right? You have, imagine, and this is a lot of people have a hard time trying to understand how experience could somehow, you know, get encoded in you. But just think of the last time that you had an argument with somebody like your wife, uh, or, you know, maybe uh, your husband, as many female listeners, and you just, you, you just swallow it, right? You swallow the emotion. And then the husband comes in and he should know exactly how you feel, right? He should, right? So what, what have you done there? You've obviously given the problem to your body to express, right? You might've been even keeled and beforehand just talking about, I am feeling angry right here. But when you swallow it by your body language, you are holding on to an experience and it may be anger in that example, but I want you to get that anger is an experience, it's a feeling. And that consciousness runs on feelings and experience is the byproduct or our way of languaging the meaning that we associate with the feelings. That's what we call an experience. Mm. So that means that the brain is involved, the meaning and the feeling is involved, which ultimately gives us experience, right? And we say, hey, listen, I'm feeling hot. That's an experience. Or I'm having a, a discussion with my wife and it's not working out for the seventh day in a row. That's an experience, right? Now, some people go through these experiences over more than seven days, right? Like someone has now taken away the kids uh, and you're gonna fight for the next four years in custody. That's an experience over a long period of time. And that experience ultimately gets encoded, right? Your body's holding this. Now, I already established in the previous episode that uh, your nervous system is not just mirrored in your hands is amplified, right? Like I was saying that your hands would be the size of beach umbrellas if you took the amount of neuro neurons that are in the hand and you would you would see that they're they're massive in terms of like the amount of information that's broadcast. So if you shock your brain with electric shock therapy, then you're gonna see all these lines going crazy through your hand. These lines are formed out of experience. They're not there to help you bend your hands better. You don't need lines to do that, right? And there are three fundamental lines that if you look down in your hand, you'll see were developed, in fact, at the different stages. If you happen to be a witness of what you were like at seven weeks as a fetus, you'd recognize mm -hmm. that you only had one, and then later two, and then later three, and you still don't have the muscles to bend your hands. Right? You're really looking at the three stages of your brain's development. So in the esoteric world, we say things like your mind, body, spirit, and soul to try to get to know who you are. I think that's a valid way to, to talk about who you are. And I'll be talking about a family here who has got a soul that is highly loving highly connected and there are some pressure zones there in the power <laughs> area that we also see 
that you'll see is an epigenetic pattern that is largely uh, carried from uh, the father's side. And you'll see an, uh, a story that's starting to develop and that the, the boys inherited this uh, story. And so that's kind of an interesting thing. So when you look at your, your, your genetics, you're looking at, you know, your, your dominant and recessive traits and things become, you know, all you have to do is mix somebody with blue eyes and brown eyes, and maybe you'll get brown eyes because brown eyes is dominant. But with epigenetics, it's a little bit harder to see that type of pattern. It's really reinforced by how dominant the surge of that epigenetic pattern is. And what we see is in the fingerprints, a code of the experience that somebody has, which means that I can look at your family's hand and I can see all the trauma you passed down to them. <laughs> oh, yay, great. Yeah. <laughs> and and, and I have just... nothing to do with <laughs> you can, all your all great parenting techniques. Yeah, right. Still... <laughs> well, and I, I just want to say too, you know, I can validate everything that you're saying in terms of the way I speak about parenting too, because we are passing down the way our parents were parented, the way their parents were parented. So when we talk about epigenetics, you know, I don't use that word a lot. I'd say generational parenting pattern, but it's really the same. We pass down each other's great qualities and kind of garbage qualities too, right? Plus their trauma. And then when you talk about, you know, having that seven day fight with your spouse versus a seven year battle, you know, there's cell memory there too. So a lot of this makes to me makes perfect sense, which is again, why we're having this conversation. So um, I, I love everything that you're saying. And I, and I think that you say it in a different way, but it's completely related to, um, to what I've, what I've talked about. So that's why I love this conversation so much. So anyway, I'll let you keep going. <laughs> Right. So, you know, when we're talking about here, what I would like you to listen here, I'd like to listen to what I'm going to say in a, in a very uh, uh, certain way. I want you to uh, listen uh, in the deepest amount of compassion that you have for the family that is being showcased here um, and not judgment. Okay. What some of the things I'm going to be saying sounds like a judgment and I never want to judge anybody there. I'm here to help you recognize a life pattern. And some people already have broken through that pattern, right? We're here to evolve. Kids are always evolving and we're always growing. So we don't know at what stage the person is. I can just tell you at some stage, this mm -hmm. was so, and then they may be breaking through. So please, when you're listening to this, uh, I caution you that this is uh, not meant to be a judgment, even though some things I may say sound negative, they're there to help awaken you to a way in which you get triggered, what you might call your shadow side, as well as some of the talents that you might have. And these things get combined into a day-to-day -day experience. And you may have shadowy days that run 90%, or you may have like these visionary days that are so creative. That is dictated, no kidding, when you're looking at the hand. And through this process, I can hopefully when people get their hand analysis, be able to get them from the 90% down to a workable 10 as a theme instead of the other way around. Yeah. So that said, let's begin. All right. I, uh, you have given me, um, we now have uh, four hands here and I will share. So uh, if you could give me uh, the rights, oh, I yes. will um, guide uh, viewers through the hands. And I want them to have the same type of kind of childlike 
view that um, that I have when you when you go in. You're like, hmm, what? Most of the people that are uh, when you look at hands, they already have that intuition. They already know that there's a uh, a, 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 a a kind of a, a trait that seems uh, available for that person. Let's see if I can get over here. So let's see if I can get, yeah, there we go. So I've got both there. All right, so I'll go, I'll go in and out of the science just so that if you're listening to this, you can kind of hang your hat on some maybe research you've already done about how the nervous system works. So we have uh, the oldest son with some crazy lines here. So that's Parker. <laughs> that's okay? Parker, yeah. And we have uh, the youngest son with a big square hand, right? And <laughs> yes. it's, and he's got this big, you know, horizontal line. That's Aiden, all right? So you got Parker, Mrs. Mr. Uh, all these fascinating lines here. And then you have Aiden who has got this kind of matter of fact square hand. Okay. And uh, I'd like to introduce you to the husband who <laughs> started this whole thing when he went to meet Robin. And notice he's got a similar line there, right? So in other words, he didn't train his child uh, to bend his hand the same way here, okay? Right. So Aiden inherited this and it was formed at the time that his brain developed, okay? So we get a very interesting line of formation that's called the heart line, head line conjunction. It's also called a simian line. So we've just taken a bright, we're gonna go 50,000 feet through this and then we're gonna go down 30,000 feet just so you kind of start to see, hmm, Wonder what the patterning is here. You know, what kind of, what, what do we get out of this, right? And um, of course we have the star of the show and Robin has, uh, if it can come in, you notice how long her fingers are. They just reach to the stars, right? They just go way up here. And there's a really strong index finger and it's a really strong pinky. And so it has a different quality than all three of the hands that you just saw. So here we have uh, basically four, mainly, uh, I would say four radically different hands. And that's really good because this gives us a, a sense that we have different personalities here. So what most people can agree is that people with similar hands have a, uh, uh, a similar personality if you look at that, right? I guess you get that if you look at a bunch of people's hands, you'll notice there's a lot of different hands out there. And what you haven't probably put together is if you organize all the people with, by similar hands, you're gonna start seeing similar people. Now, there are uh, four ways that uh, the International Institute of Hand Analysis where I have been certified in as a master hand analyst Four ways in which we group, and this is not something we invented. This is the Greeks. They saw things you might have heard of the phlegmatic, melancholic tribe, all that. But really, it's, they're using that's a language that was you know updated from earth, air, fire, and water. It has nothing to do with astrology. 
though astrology does try to link this in, but I'm not talking about the stars anytime today. What I'm really talking about is a really wonderfully visual way to uh, get your head around what is the energy of a square hand that is just down to earth, solid, reliable, right? And just has only three main lines, right? That you see here. This is a farmer and his job every day is just go milk the cow he's holding there, right? It's a very square hand. Now, some people don't have that nervous system. They don't have that personality, which is the nervous system. It's the sensory cortex is your personality. You can go look that up. And so when you look at some people have a much more dynamic side like Snoop Dogg, right? And Snoop Dogg has all these lines all over the place. And if you uh, look at uh, Mr. Evil Knievel over here, who has this really all these crazy lines over here, you'll see that this person has a much more dynamic, creative energy, much more uh, erratic and spontaneous than you would say uh, over in um, over here, or especially with the husband, right? Well, and and so evil can evil. Just for everybody who's just listening and not watching on YouTube, that is um, Parker, <laughs> the one, the one, my my one that I always talk about, right? He has a podcast here, so yeah. yeah, so he's got all these crazy fiery lines and. That just means that he's a more, has much more daredevil energy inside him. He has a much more creative, dynamic, spontaneous, similar. It's like an artist uh, streak in them. Now, uh, if you then look at uh, your husband's hands, you'll see that they're th very thick, solid. There's a lot of gravity in this hand. There's a big chunk of meat here, right? It's a big bear, <laughs> right? So here I would characterize that this guy is very down to earth. He's very, he's got a lot of, of gravity. He, when he says something, it's, it, it, while I get the humor that he has, there's also a, gra a seriousness that he rides on. And he feels things very deep within his body. He's processing things in a different way through his body, through his gut instincts, and he follows them for a lot, but he also has some pretty nice fingers, just like you. So there, I would say the, when you organize people by long fingers, if you just see that they don't have a big, big bear claw hand, they just have really long scrawny fingers, then you would say, well, they're very intellectual. You know, they're like a philosopher yeah. with his very long fingers. But uh, your husband has actually pretty, thick palm with these long fingers. And if I was to try to take the thumb away, it looks like the whole thing would fit in a big uh, wide size shoebox. So <laughs> yeah, what yeah. that means is that there is a strong earthiness, practical, mm -hmm. but he's not a farmer here and an intellectual, which is earth and air, earth being practical and the ideas, the intellect is there. So this is a guy with practical ideas. So the combination of that is called competent. That's what a practical idea is. This is a guy who actually is a cornerstone. And he's like the, he's like the big alpha dog. He's, he, does, he doesn't need to prove himself. He's solid, reliable, 
uh, and he has a kind of a quiet nature and just accepting nature to support other people and, and yet he's holding the foundation. That's what all earth air people do. My stepfather uh, is also an earth air guy. Now, just to get your head around, remember earth is a big square hand like you see in a farmer's hand and an air is an office hand. But when they combine earth air, what you're really talking about is an archetype a personality archetype that goes what Carl Jung would say deep within our subconscious, that the more you go deep into the subconscious, it's still inheriting the qualities of this expression. And you can see this like literally, we're all earthlings, right? And so we all have these qualities that I'm telling you about. We're all part of this fiery nature. We're all got heat. We all have earth. We all have air. We all have water. So when you look at that and you look at the earth air as it exists, you get a lot of structure and competence and you get these people like Richard Branson that have this need for self-control, self-sacrifice, duty, stability, responsibility. And they're, they are credible, credible experts. Typically they like nonfiction history and facts and they seem to be um, very insecure around any incompetence or disorganization. They don't like it, even though if you go into their tool shed, it may be a mess, but they don't like when you get into their stuff. There's a kind of a protection. And so typically you would find this hand in like a big industry or military government or just anyone that requires competence. Just think about it, it can be the really strong business type hands or engineering hands they have a really strong need to just hold things they need proof they need a lot of it now just care keep in mind i'm going to be taking layers and combining them okay so this is one side of him and then the other side well, i'm going to talk about the fingerprints and it's going to be completely opposite okay and so you have to now as a hand analyst see my problem that you have these different layers that are coming in and then they're coming in and combining. So what we're really looking at is the, the very early, when we look at the fingerprints, we're looking at the early, early um, development of uh, someone who has um, a preference in certain areas. Now, I'm not sure if this fingerprint that I'm looking at of your husband on your on the right ring finger is in fact what I believe it is, but it looks like there could be a circle there. It looks like it's trying to make a circle. And if that's so, then I have the artist here who has a creative urge. He's got a, a need to uh, have uh, some originality and creativity to what he's doing or actually being having a public appearance there. And, and so when I put that his soul, as it comes into the body at seven weeks, I see that there is a creativity that he shows. And he has all these waves all over his fingers, which show a very loving side, like a teddy bear. And he has a arch pattern, which I'll, I'll zoom into the arch so you can see. This is this kind of hill that just comes up and it goes down. Whereas here on the middle finger, it's like, hey, I love the party. Thank you very much. I'm coming in as a wave and it's coming out. Well, here it's just a, a hill, just a hill. So in the area of power, 
we have a bit of a dilemma with him. So he's seen as a, a powerful man because he has a very strong index finger. However, inside, he doesn't try to be the ego. He doesn't like that. He doesn't like trying to be. So there's a lot of humility there. And he'll come from some harder experiences or pressure zones in the area of power where it feels very likely the more you get into a leadership position, the more pressure you feel. And so for some reason, I see this type go into those type of feel, uh, pressure fields, pressure zones all the time. And they don't have time for like, you know, working on their own desires. They would love to be able to do a podcast like Robin, but they've got this pressure zone all the time coming in. And so they got to go, got to go. And they got it. And so it's kind of like uh, this, this um, uh, uh, stress. And, and when they're out of that stress, it's kind of a kick for them. Right. And when they get out of it, then they feel like numb, like nothing's going on super silent, just easy going, you know, totally down to earth guy where nothing's going on, just accepting. And then they go right into it and go right into that pressure zone. So wherever that arch is on the, um, in, in any finger, it suppresses the energy of that area. And what here we're suppressing uh, areas where it's his own desires, and his own attempt to be a visionary ego. He doesn't like those things. And so this is a man who would rather sacrifice himself for the family than to do something independent and to go his own way. So he'll feel that and he'll even feel almost, if you look on the outside, it'll feel like he's just trapped. He's just boxing himself in with this. But this is his life. You know, you can't judge here. This is the way he sees the world. These are the values that he got epigenetically. And this is the way that a, a family should be raised, right? And I'm sorry, it's, it's, hard, it's a school of hard knocks and you gotta roll up your sieve, you gotta get in there. It's painful. And, uh, and some of the most painful moments give this man the most meaning. And he'll tell those stories that will in almost a parable form that will say, yeah, these are uh, the times. And, you know, he'll relate to it. And these were the hard times. And, and yet we got through it through our sacrifice and toil. We got through it. Other people tell a different story. You know, when I tell my story, I'm like, yeah, this is when I was uh, doing a music rave on boats with, you know, 200 people. And I, you know, released a big CD. That's not a painful story. Right? But here, there's some solemnness here to his character that says it's very this true. is important. Very true. Very, very true. He is definitely a strong rock for everybody. And um, yeah, definitely feels the weight of a lot for sure. And would not do what I did to leave my safe career to do the work that I'm doing without, you know, there's no real safety net when you are, you know, when you have your own business, you're an entrepreneur, um, that just isn't for him. He just could never do that. So. <laughs> yeah. So when you look at an earth air hand, the, the big thing that I was just showing you is that they need a lot of security. Mm -hmm. And that's why we find them in, 
in these type of military government, big industry type positions because they like, or even handling big machinery because they, you, you want somebody with that much need for stability and security mm-hmm. and self-control. You want them in that job. You, may, you probably won't find this person singing and dancing from the stage, right? It happens. But it does happen, yeah. <laughs> it happens, right? But, but he's just definitely more serious versus me. I'm a little bit more silly. I, you know, laugh more, you know, whatever. And he does too. We, we do together. But uh, he definitely is more in his head. He thinks more. I mean, he works in IT. So that's definitely, you know, takes a smart person. He's very methodical. Is that a project manager in IT? Is that what he's doing? Um, yeah, it, so, uh, you know, I don't know. <laughs> probably, probably. He's like, IT and, I, and I tune it out. <laughs> I say he's probably more leaning on the infrastructure side because he likes to have the weight of the world on him. So he's got Atlas problems and he's got, he's uh, handling big program type stuff. He needs weight. He needs that pressure. Otherwise he doesn't feel. This guy will never take a part-time job. And when he was, uh, when his body was being formed, we found that he has a lot of charisma. He has a very nice, warm teddy bear side. He's just a kind of a good, huggable guy. And so you see that the mount over, over here next to where the one is showing underneath his thumb, if you look and you close your thumb together and you put it against your palm, if you have an orange just poking out there, then you have what we would call a lot of Venus energy, a lot of charisma, a lot of animal magnetism. And you're, you, and some people just laugh from the gut. He is one of them. <laughs> and so he's just got a great amount of uh, generosity if you tickle its funny bone. And then the next line is uh, the heart line. Now, the heart line is the part that shows our spirited side. And it shows how much we like to express our spirit to other people, our emotions. It may be in a dramatic way. And if, it, if the heart line goes all the way up, you got somebody, if your heart line, and we're talking about the horizontal line that runs up across your hand. And if it tries to rise up to the middle finger, then you got somebody with a very dramatic energy, right? Like Ellen DeGeneres, go look at when she raises her hand. It's a big, big heart line that just... Uh, says to the world, hey, I know how I'm feeling. And if she, and whatever, if she's feeling embarrassed, she wants you to feel embarrassed with her. If she's feeling frustrated, she wants you to feel it. If the, if there, uh, so if she, something is late or her, her soup is cold, she's going to tell the waiter in a way that the waiter feels like, hey, this is what it would be like if the soup is cold. That's what these passionate people do. But what happens if your heart line starts to dive deep within the hand? It doesn't rise at all. And many of the women listening right now are married to a man whose heart line is deep within the hole. And they're trying to make him sweet or more connecting. And if they take him through another workshop, then they're going to get the guy who can finally open up and listen to your story. It will never happen. Because the way that the brain works it's, a, it's a, something that it's, you have to accept that the way that the brain functions uh, in the limbic center says, hey, listen, I need to control how I need to control my spirit. I need to control it. 
right? Right. So, so we're looking at to, Brad Pitt, the Dalai Lama. Yeah. Uh, and, and look at Meryl Strip, Streep, right? She's in control all the time. Interesting. Right? She's got a right. directness. So if I go to Meryl Streep and I, or the Dalai Lama or Brad Pitt, and I say, hey, look, you know, my groceries didn't, didn't um, when I was paying for them, I wasn't able to get my credit card to work. Uh, they would they go, uh-huh, okay, what do you need? Whereas yeah. if I go in and tell the same story to Ellen DeGeneres, she goes, oh, and then what happened, right? So <laughs> there's a kind of a different way of seeing the world just from that. Mm-hmm. Now, going back to your husband, the heart line is down here and it makes this merry journey right about here. Okay. And so this is a guy really holds on and he has a very rational side. So he replays emotions and tries to see, is this the right context before I tell you how, what I'm feeling? And this is how a relationship functions. You know, some people really need their space and their time before they come at you and tell you if if there's a problem. And this is one that does that. He has a very strong analytical side that likes to hold on and process emotions and replay the story over and over until he comes to a kind of factual conclusion about it and then lets you know and does it and says it in, in about uh, um, not in a very long um, story. So it's just to the point. And then the final line that is uh, developed is the uh, headline. And here, the headline is the one coming away from the thumb. <laughs> it routes the opposite direction. It goes uh, horizontally across the uh, um, the palm from the thumb, just about an inch above it. And there you see, again, this line, it, it, it's, it starts and then it joins, in his case, right into the heart line. So this is what you call the simian headline. So this is a guy who can just give radical focus as well as very quick decisions, very quick. So he's got both sides of them because the quick decisions are, I just see, once I see it, I see the pattern. I've already made my snap judgment and now it's good. But then he's also got another side that goes through a problem and he holds on to a huge amount of information and he doesn't let go. And he goes through the tunnel and through, I can imagine him at work and he's just like huckered, huckered down, you know, working on the systems and working on the next piece and other information. And then he doesn't even look up until it's like lunchtime. Mm-hmm. So it's just a high amount of concentration, right? So he's not going to be in this collab- collaborative way of just, um, you know, like the open plan office where you're just everyone's talking all the time he wants to have time for his focus so in this way we're starting to develop a picture of what this what his life pattern is like and now you go to the rest of the hand the person at this point is born and he develops um he he develops the uh his experience through this and and I realize I'm, I'm spending a lot of time on this hand and I'm ignoring your sons, but I'm just gonna give you one other piece so we can maybe hop over, sure. is uh, that these lines that you see here uh, have some similarity to both your sons. And if you look at the right hand, 
just look at the right, his right hand was, it seems to be passed down uh, to your oldest evil Knievel son here. Look at that with the, all these lines, right? Yeah, Parker, yeah. Parker has all these crazy lines and dad had, had them in, in, in that hand um, in uh, specifically his, this hand here, his right hand. Mm. So what does that mean? Well, for just because you have a lot of crazy lines all over your hand doesn't mean that you're extra creative like Snoop Dogg, but there is a fascinating energy where you're looking at all the different elements of a work. And what we call this is the worker bee, the guy who has a hive mentality. And, he's, and if work is good, life is good. So Robin can, can move in with her sister and the cousins and everything uh, and build bunk beds in the house. And when you have, when his work is good, he can support that. But if his work is not good, then like, for example, they're restructuring at work and he doesn't know if uh, he's on the chopping block here. Then this is, you know, he's a man who's, who needs to be the foundation. And so that means that as a worker bee, what am I going to do without work? And this guy is a worker bee. He's got a very solid side that says, I got to keep the trains running on time. I got to keep uh, a, a strong structure. And this guy is a locomotive. So really to recap what, what I heard you say about my husband, just like a, a strong, reliable sometimes not emotionally there perhaps, um, but very focused is a, is it, you know, likes the weight on him, um, but loyal down to earth, all really great qualities, which is really who he is. And you've never met him. I've never even talked to you about him. So, um, so that, that does say a lot. Yeah, you're right. He does have really lots of lines on his hand, doesn't he? My goodness, just like Parker does. Yeah. Now let's just look at, let's just compare his hand with yeah. uh, Parker's. And you see Parker has all these crazy lines here. And we might be seeing, I don't know what he was like growing up, but as I mentioned, hands do change. And as you gain weight, as you get uh, become a mature adult, you see changes in the shape of the hand where the hand itself, like uh, you see a Michael Moore, he was more of an upstart young buck. And then mm -hmm. his hand became much thicker as he became thicker. And his personality changed a lot to be kind of the foundation of a movie director and producer. Right. Parker has always had those wrinkly hands. Always, always had those. Um, and was, I mean, he you know, as many people know, as ADHD has, you know, um, he's, he was a nonstop kid, um, since he had, uh, he, you know, very, very athletic, you know, would, you know, uh, the sidewalk outside of our house, you know, he would be, a, a, for lack of a better word, just obsessed with getting, you know, the right kind of, um, flips on a scooter, you know, different backflips on trampolines, like all that kind of stuff. And then, and then he had a really bad accident and that changed everything where he 
pretty much obliterated his knee. Um, and so that has changed a lot. Plus then he got into his teen years. And as we know, in teen years, your body gets heavier, right? You're building all that muscle for boys. So they get heavier and he really has moved his focus away from physical, um, physicality. So, um, it'll be interesting when he really gets his first job, which is just around the corner. So, um, it'll be interesting to see what you're saying about his work ethic, about, you know, um, needing to be busy, all that kind of stuff. So I'm, I'm interested to, to see about that, that I don't know yet. I just don't know yet. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, yeah. Okay. So let me, uh, I'll finish it. One last point though, with your husband. And okay. now that we see that it, uh, uh, Parker has this, all this stamina and creativity, but his hand isn't as broad as, as your, as your partner. Yeah. And so what that means is that he's still a kid, but he could have that hand for the rest of his life. And if he does, he's going to still have a childlike fun, creative energy that wants to put his hands on everything. And that's why I nicknamed him the daredevil, the that who like evil Knievel, who likes to push his boundaries all the time and just to see what he's made of. So he's yeah. really constantly going. If you tell him no, it, that that's an opportunity for him. And as soon as that, he's just going to go, yeah, that you've just given me my next challenge because he wants freedom above everything else. 100%. And this, um, his goal, when you have all that fire, fire wants to be, it's individualistic, it's authentic. It, it wants uh, uh, a lot of uh, artistic freedom and creative freedom and wants a busy, intense environment. Yeah. Right? Now, yeah. so does your partner, but in a different way because he's so grounded and he's got this big, thick hand. He's gonna be wanting a lot of change, like working in transformational projects but he's still keeping the big, the, the big ship. He's still holding it together. And yeah. the, the last thing I just wanted to show you before I switch over is that your youngest son has really thick hands. <laughs> and you look here, the left hand of, uh, and his left hand, that's where it's almost like his left hand went over to Aiden <laughs> and his right hand went over <laughs> here <laughs> so just a kind of a funny funny thing that you see because your your partner has two different hands that's kind of a goofy thing but it happens sometimes oh yeah right? they're kind of two <laughs> different hands right you got oh, all these crazy lines all over in this hand and even a big tall middle finger look at that right it just <laughs> kind of rises above this is a guy that wants all the trains to run on time and he's in a very busy, he's a conductor and he's trying to be, uh, trying to coordinate everything at work and he's the big transformational agent and they give him the next project that he's got probably IT transformational project and he's, he's steering it. But then, and when we get to know him, he's actually a very stable, accepting, you know, solid, reliable guy. So I wonder how much uh, you know of his public life is his Clark Kent and Superman side. Yeah. So all I wanted to show there is that we have different sides and you, you may notice just within your own character that you have a family persona and then you have this other persona that you might show. And when you are switching gears like that, you're switching 
different parts of your nervous system. And when you're in the left brain, uh, the right hand, you know, when you're in this kind of like external world where you're trying to prove results, you're going to see how you're working in this area through the right hand. So I just wanted to show that to you because I thought that was kind of a funny thing that I was it's crazy. At. It's so different. That's so funny. So now uh, I would like to share. Uh, yeah. So let's let's go into Parker. Okay. So Parker's. Uh, let's just take it in the same sequence. So Parker's soul came in, and Parker came in with a a, a big circle on his right thumb. Yeah. So what that means is that in the, when you organize all the people with big circles, there's one thing that they, they need to have, and that is results. They need to have achievement and success. You don't have to worry about them. As a mother, you don't have to worry. He has already got everything inside him because it's so dissatisfying if he doesn't produce results. So he wants to be a world-class. He wants to be successful. It doesn't matter what it is. And then certainly it's going to change when you have so many fiery lines everywhere. He's going to change his mind at least a dozen more times on his way through university. Right. So, so, uh, but looking at the thumb, when you look at all the people with a circle there, they like to govern. They like to be uh, ultimately start their own business and to hold that business and manifest it in such a way that when they die, not that we're talking life and death already, but if, when they die, they want to know that they've made their mark in the world. It's a really strong concept for the people with a right thumb, like Dwight D. Eisenhower had a circle on his right thumb. And he was also a very fiery individual. So they like to govern and they like to achieve and, be, and to, to make results. They have the impossible to-do list and they want to constantly get their hands on everything and just make it happen and, and, and manifest. Um, on the flip side, if they struggle manifesting though, does that lead them to feel, you know, kind of go down a rabbit hole of questioning themselves and oh, lack yeah. of self-esteem? So, so that, you know, you know, like for example, he struggles in school. Um, and so that, I know it's really hard on him. He, you know, just dismisses it as like, I'm dumb, but we know that's not at all. It's, I mean, that's not a measure of his intelligence or his worth in any way, shape or form. Right. It just, it just yeah. not fit for the system. Imagine if your carrot is taken away. Yeah. Right. You're working all day for that carrot and now you don't get it. Yeah. Right. So that's, right. that's the feeling. And it's a lot different than say, if I put an arch in that area where the person just fears failure, fears it, right? Mm-hmm. Here, it, his, his successes keep getting taken away. And that's very frustrating. Yeah, and, yeah. Uh, and this is his big kahuna. Like every time he achieves and feels proud within his gut that he is able to have accomplish something and it, does, it can be even small, like go rake the yard <laughs> and, and he's done it. And there, and, and, but it has to be done to a point of accomplishment. Process is not what I'm asking here. It's not the process of raking the yard. It's the fact that the yard is now raked, okay. right? So right. He, 
it, he's yearning in his soul for that completion. And, mm. and he, he can create like an impossible to-do list trying to get that done. And even, you know, staying up late for that. Second is that in the area of his right index finger, he has an arch there. Now the arch feel is, is a posture that says, I'm not good enough. I'm out in the world. I don't feel like I want to be a leader. It's not a judgment again. It's not a judgment against him because he just has this uh, kind of sticks and plates idea where I say sticks and plates like a clown where you put a stick and you put a plate and then he, you put it there and then you go, oh, that's not enough, right? Just once, I, I know I can do more. And if I just do more and if I just, uh, uh, I got to jump. And so I take the next stick and I got to put a next plate on it. Now there's three, three plates spinning when I put a third stick and fourth stick, fifth stick, and the audience is going, okay, that's enough. You've got enough. But for him, there's not a signal there. And so he'll go to a place of emergency in order to feel. And when he's got that place of emergency where there's in that place of uh, where there's that pressure zone, then he'll go, aha, all right, I can do it, right? Look what I can do. And he'll push himself like a locomotive trying to do as much as he can. And he's got seven plates spinning and you know, maybe they all crash. Maybe one day he does them all seven and he's looking like amazing. He's feeling so good about himself. If he had instead a circle there, then you're, you're just a solid visionary setting expectations. And you're like Richard Branson, who has a circle there, just made for leadership and just being somebody who does, doesn't mind being a big ego, right? But here we have a bit of a, a self-esteem struggle here when it's on the right index. And you may have, if you're listening, you may have a children that have a fingerprint if you just look at it in the right index finger that is compared to the others where it looks compressed there. So what they're, what they're ultimately uh, feeling is a, a high sensitivity to criticism and other people getting angry at them. And there's a hard, um, there's a, a hard lesson with this particular group because they, they're kind of experimenting with boundaries. If you remember now my, my story with the seven, the, the clown with seven uh, uh, plates spinning, they're kind of testing their boundaries. They may be testing your boundaries too. They may be testing uh, <laughs> other people's boundaries by, and with their sensitivity to criticism, be the first one to escalate going, hey. So there's an anger story here that we're talking about where the better he can get at confrontation and be able to deal with the, uh, the fire energy, I would say, the heat of the moment and just stay there, stay in the heat, stay where, it's, where there's going to be criticism. And with his inner critic, as well as his feeling of not enough, stay and don't hop, don't jump to another subject, but stay in that target in that goal until it is completely accomplished that's going to give him the self-esteem that he wants but his feelings are really really uh painful here 
And so to get him to do this is like getting me to eat a plate of Brussels sprouts for the next month, right? Every day for next month. So I, I don't like it and there's no reason for me to do it. Yeah, I'm not going to do it. But if you give me a good enough reason, then I'll do it. Ultimately, the best way for him to develop this is to be a leader and to be the first person to be in charge. And that's when he's going to get all the arrows in his back and all the criticism. And he's going to have to learn all the negotiation skills. But then what, what does he get out of that? Through his pain, he's going to be even better because he'll, he'll know more about the problem because he'll feel the pain more. And in the end, he's going to be a master negotiator. He's going to be a visionary, very strong visionary. If you encourage him to go, look, the pain you're feeling is the right pain. Do it. So this is an epigenetic patterning he got from father because the, our, the pressure zone that father has is the same. It's the same amount of feeling like, oh, I, I, who am I to be a big ego? There are uh, some lot of good um, talents that he has. So one of the things that he has been gifted is he's got these horizontal lines underneath his index finger that run like literally opposite in the direction the index finger wants to go. And those are extra amount of sensitivity. So he'd be an amazing counselor. Aww. So they call Solomon rings and uh, somebody who has a um, empathy to see the meta message of what's not said. So you don't, it, mm. you can just, you know, give him a sentence and he's reading right into it. Completely. Right. right. The second thing is he's got uh, above his heart line is another heart line, right? It goes uh, parallel right up above Aww. that. So he's got an extra amount of heart energy. He, it got, it, he's got so much uh, sensitivity that mm -hmm. all I have to do is drop a soccer ball too hard in front of him and he's going to feel it. And so that, um, that gives him even more uh, almost creative sensitivity. That's really powerful. Wow. The other part is that he has a really strong intuition, which is this line right here that wraps around and goes over to his heart line. And so he's able to go into himself and really be uh, work with the imagery that he's guided with, which we still don't fully understand why that's such a strong intelligence, but it works. Some people just mm -hmm. really work by serendipity and they have a guide and they have a picture that comes into them and they say, let's go here and it works every time. So the, when you combine this with all this fire, all this creative energy, we have somebody where they want change. Yeah. And so let's not hold him back from that. Let's just say he's going to be in change. He wants to be where there's transformation and he's a transformation agent. Get him involved in those projects that need to have an impossible deadline. And he's got to spin all the plates and make it all happen. And he's the hero. He's evil Knievel. And there is his old <laughs> daredevil side that's able to take, you know, in, in a non-linear format, all the things that all at once, and you can just handle it and just creatively right. manage it and then get to the, get to the finish line. Can we go to Aiden and then can we go to me? Yeah. I'm, di I'm dying to hear about me. <laughs>
<laughs> is so, that terrible to say? No, I really <laughs> want to know what the, everybody else, but I also want to know about what you have to say about me. <laughs> so Aiden is uh, somebody who, as you can see, has very square hands. And so there's a down to earth quality to them. Definitely. And the fingers have a system to them. So this guy is more systematic and he sees things in black and white terms. So what is it? So we're, we are looking at a completely uh, different character and his, he loves to structure things and to make them into a categories and he has a strong sense of value and uh, he's almost a mentor as well. He's, he has strong principles and yep. When you work with integrity and rules and principles, you there, there's a laws here and you need to understand he has these rules. And once you understand it's, it's his rules and you understand his rules, then we can play. But first we have to understand he's got rules. He's a very mechanically competent and mechanically inclined. Uh, he's a, an excellent puzzle solver. Uh, his pinky, if you remember when I was talking about, if it goes above that, if you put your pinky next to your ring finger and it goes above that line that is your ring fingertip, you're looking at somebody who would love strategy, loves connecting many ideas together. So um, he has, he was born with whirls in the area of self-worth. So now we have a different story here. Yeah, and, very different. I mean, they are completely opposite. They couldn't be more opposite, my two boys. So he has a whirl on his right middle finger, which is about outer value, being a businessman, being mm. making money, mm. uh, seeing, uh, uh, being uh, seen as a good, credible force out in the world. Right. And as well, having an inner sense of value, an inner order. So order is a great word for him. And he needs things to be in, in, in an order and to work in, system, in systems. And because he can do this, he can see the way that things were ordered. And so all of the men who have created the systems and the maps and models and everything, he goes, okay, I got it, right? There's a logic, there's a system that how, how it makes. And if you just follow this plan, it's a very, uh, and he's, he loves the, the craft and the competence of somebody's plan, then he, he does it. And he has also um, a very creative side and an innovative side. So he likes to develop it. So maybe he does many different models and then he does, is able to work with, um, uh, you know, applying that to maybe make his own and engineer his own. So he does it with uh, animation and drawing. So you're right. You're right. So sorry to interrupt the, you. The area of creativity, of if you're listening on the uh, right ring finger is what we're talking about. And that has a circle there. And that's the area of public art, okay? And if it's a world on the left one, then it's, then it's a left ring finger is about innovation or insight. And in a sense is visibility. So art in general, art design, creativity, what did you say? He was, um, uh, he like. what did he like? As his he loves drawing, yeah, animation, um, and he's really good at it. He makes his own characters, uh, so yeah, and he's really good. 
really, really good. Yeah, you really have to know your, when you get into animation, you're really talking about, you have to understand the software, you have to see the technique of it. Right, right. And, and uh, the more that he goes into maybe virtual reality, he's gonna really enjoy creating um, these worlds and to be able to explore it, that, that level of innovation, I think he's gonna be very good at it. Um, he's just born with a ability to hold information longer than other people and hold the problem. I get bored, right? You tell me a problem, like a word problem, and I'm like, as soon as you <laughs> tell me that, I'm just like, you know, I'm gone. But he holds the problem. Right. And he says, hmm, what is the problem? And he's still in, and in, in, you know, three days later, he may still have the problem in his head and he may still be working with it, trying to figure out how this could be solved in order to create the vision and the creative, um, you know, idea that he has. So um, look at just also the, the thickness of the index finger again. Again, we got dad here. So he's going to be a top dog. He's got a little bit of territory. He's, he's got his pinky that rises above the ring finger. So he's, he thinks from A to B to C and sees and is able to connect to all these ideas. And he loves to just strategically work and be seen as the smartest person in the room. And he's really got, is. sometimes we're like, I don't know, let's ask Aiden. <laughs> Aiden will know, right? <laughs> he just is like that. Yeah. So now when you add that with this radical headline, so it's, again, we have dad's headline, which is called the Simeon. Um, this is radical focus. His heart is not being passionate or trying to make you feel good or trying to be, uh, care for your emotions or hold your hand or anything. He's there to solve a problem. He's a solution provider when you got that. So He's there, you go, what's your problem? I got it. And I can tell you here, I'll solve this for you. And you've got this creative vision, let's do this. And I wanna add my little two cents with this. And now we've got somebody who, um, you know, Tony Robbins has a very similar hand. He's a motivational speaker. And I've read his hands uh, twice. The big difference is that they don't share the same fingerprints but they have a lot of that same uh, radical focus. Hmm. And you know, for Tony to write a book and then next thing you know, it, two years later, he's got the next book out and then another book out. We're really talking about um, somebody with an intense amount of blinders that they can put on in order to get into the problem and then solve it and, then, and, and deliver it. Yeah. The other thing I would point out in, in addition to his cleverness is that he has kind of an extra amount in addition to having a value and creativity, but I gave him a bonus point in his right pinky, which means I saw he's that. A, voice, a voice for his group. So mm -hmm. this is a guy who I can imagine would be like a phenomenal project manager for the next uh, virtual reality. And we're just gonna, mm -hmm. he's the account representative as well as working alongside his team to make sure that he can do the next animation project and then he delivers it and he's the persuasive guy and he's able to have a message that's, totally. that's influential so he's got also a very um charismatic inspirational language that he likes to use to inspire you so cool yep that's him
that's him. Okay, are we are we moving on now to you know who? <laughs> okay. okay. Oh, sorry, we're out of time. <laughs> oh, <laughs> that's funny. <laughs> okay, I have to say that when I took this picture of my hand, I was shocked at the way it looked. I have never seen my hand look like that. Like yeah. the way you said the fingers go up to the sky. And anyway, okay, I just want to say that yeah. I never Raise noticed your my hand, hand looked just like, like this. Let me see the current state of affairs here. Right. Okay. All right. Got it. Perfect. All right. First thing you, first things first is that you have long fingers that give you a braininess to want to understand knowledge. Okay. Right. So anyone who has long fingers as a child, you would say, listen, you need to go to higher education. You need to know more in this life than other people. You need to know and know and know and just, and it doesn't matter if it can be directly applicable. Yeah. You need to understand knowledge, right? Second thing is that when you have so such a, um, a, a, all these waves over all of your fingers and there's no formation of a whirl or a circle on any finger and you, instead, you get these waves that are universal, like you see here, that just come up and say, hey, this is great. Thank you very much. Hey, I love this. Thank you. Goodbye. <laughs> then what we have so, is somebody who is the butterfly, is what we nickname. Mm. The, the woman who can go from one flower to the next, to the next, to the next, and just spread her love all over the place. So we <laughs> have a woman whose life purpose is love. Full, full stop. We don't have to say results. We don't have to say creativity. I don't have to say inspiration. And those are, you know, your checkbox. And if you got that, you're fulfilled. Your checkbox for the day is, did I have an intimate emotional conversation that opened my heart and allowed me to, to have the intimacy and grow that intimacy out in the world? If I did, that's a good day. Check. And now I feel like I've achieved my life purpose today. Life <laughs> purpose is not something as a place to arrive. It's a process of a feeling where you go, this feels right. This feels good. Like this is what I'm really doing. And the fact that you have all these waves, normally when you go to read a, a, a fingerprint pattern, you can guess, for example, that somebody not only is the, what kind of films they're making, but like to go in almost stage by stage to which film they're working on. Because the problems that are shown in the fingerprints and the dilemmas, as we have you kind of pointed out, the self wrestling with self-esteem and stuff, you know, that, that would be a film that would be quite different from um, with working, if you go over here, you see that Parker would have a totally different film that he would write. Right. It has a different set of characters and a sense of tension because of the story he personally has lived, just like Oliver Stone, you know, did Platoon because he lived that story. So everyone has a different story to tell from their own vantage, right? Mm. But your story is all a story of love. And when you organize people just by that formation, you start to recognize that we're in a different category. People with waves and six or more have 
are a such a, a affinity for people they're in this story of pleasure and closeness so they make everyone feel pleasurable so i read this whole paragraph to you because it's so relevant and as you can see the big takeaway here is that you're not in these guys stories that have four or more circles these guys are all wanting service contribution and they have to and should and over pressure and be of almost obligate themselves into the job, right? Other people are wise guys, right? That are with tenant arches and so forth. But you're in the 65th percentile that says I'm emotional, full stop. And that's never gonna change. And the way that I process the world is emotional. That's so true. <laughs> Biochemically, this is oxytocin mm. and MDMA. So MDMA, ecstasy, that's the feeling that you naturally produce and give to other people. So intimacy is your rocket fuel. And that means you're going to easily get emotionally invested in other people. And this is, makes you a people pleaser. You please other people. Some people don't care. They write, walk right by you with blinders. You, your heart is out to the world. And this is still to be tested. And I hope that somebody out there who understands heart math can validate this. There's a way that you can actually measure the, the, the distance of the radius of the heart energy. And it's different for different people. My experience just from working with now over 2000 people is that the heart energy of people with waves is much greater and they, they it's almost like they're they, they, the current understanding is that your heart feeling people can feel your emotion up about eight feet around you but it's my view that when you have 10 waves you probably get it about 50 feet that's the radius of your heart and it's an electrical magnetic signal that is coming out and you're also it's in interfering with other people's emotional pattern and you're feeling it. This is not something to believe. This is science. You can actually see that there's this interference pattern. You can see that a person feels this emotionally. So the quality of the relationships means that and, and self-esteem is the quality of life, right? So if, if all your meaning is on this and it's not on the art that you did or the fact that you did a virtual reality movie, <laughs> well, that might've been cool. This is all about how much closeness I got today. So even small amounts of rejection or no reciprocation, you feel. <laughs> yeah. So with that sensitivity toward rejection and disconnect and abandonment, you can be codependent on others or frozen and distance in distrust to avoid getting hurt. And you have, are certainly somebody who have broken through this. Right, but, I would say so too, yeah. But the early stages of the people with this much sensitivity is don't rock the boat because it's just gonna feel bad. And I don't want my life to feel bad because that's my whole life is feeling. Right. So this, when you don't want to feel bad, then you're, where does it go? Those feelings go internal. And then you stew over negative feelings or you sweep things under the carpet 
and then you're inauthentic because you're a people pleaser in order to not get hurt. So you bottle up the emotions. Now your child may have a lot of these waves and you just have six or more, they're gonna have the story I'm gonna tell you. And it's really crucial as a parent that you help them with this. There's nothing wrong with them that they just need that they're in a different life track. Maybe even from both of you and the mother and the father, though chances are one of you passed this down, but this can skip a generation. The uncle can have these and then the mother and father may not. And then the child has them. So as they bottle up emotions, they put pressure on themselves to deny how they feel. Just think when you're trying to, I don't, I, I'm really feeling bad about this, but I don't know how to tell him, right? What's happening there? That's an emotional current that's running through you. And while that's going on, not much else gets to happen. And so you're giving your body a tax, a pressure, and it's a pressure system. And some people can go years this way, not talking to you know, mom for 17 years. And I deal with people all the time, even today, that they, they finally broke through. And I'm saying, go do this. It's going to make a big difference in your life because your heart wants to be out to the world. And you see them, they look so beautiful afterwards. So common statements are we can't connect emotionally anymore. I'm lonely. I'm withheld. Right? So their breakthrough happens when they break the ice. Again, same story. You know, recognize how they feel and open up their heart again without fear or attachment so they can talk about the elephant in the room. They need to go into their space, feel their feelings, come to a clarity, and then communicate. So we may not have a choice what feeling will sweep us away. Emotional mastery lies in managing how long a mood lasts without building up a big story because we're meaning-making machines and the emotion that we have is what's giving us the story. If you're emotional, you're going to build up a big story about people. And so you, you have to kind of learn how to ride this. And so it takes a, a, a extraordinary amount of self-acceptance to connect and give to others. So forgiveness and compassion, the sooner you learn it with this tribe, the more that you can go back to a place of trust, a flow state. And here, you be, here you're here to become a master of love, authentic self-expression, gratitude by riding all the emotional waves. Now I'm gonna send it home with this. You have a child who has waves all over their fingers. And if they have six or more, they need to be in a people business. They need to be going in and you need to have conversations where they have that intimacy and they can be angry and they can be shamed and they can be frustrated and they can be guilty. And that's okay. Those are emotions. Those are still valid emotions. Love is not just when you're happy. It's all of those things. And when you can feel all of them and not make a, a single one of them wrong going, Hey, I'm angry right now. And this is the way it is and not shy from it or shame, but this tribe shames themselves all the time for even having a negative emotion because they know that their heart goes out to world. And it's almost like if they've got, they got COVID when they got a negative emotion, they don't want anyone else to get it. And so they hold on to it because they don't want you to get their negative emotion. When they do that, you're putting a tax on your system and you can 
and and the more you swallow your emotions this way then you then in the outside world doesn't feel good you're going to try to find things to make you feel good eating etc so so interesting okay right right if you don't know how to deal with them you're going to find other ways to deal with them yeah and and things like people pleasing is very disempowering and i definitely was a people pleaser you know for for reasons maybe they were innate but they also were messages that i got right that that i interpreted a certain way like messages from my parents that i interpreted in a certain way that made me be a people pleaser because i wanted people to know that i was a good person that i cared and uh, i was afraid people would see me not as that way and it's true like i would let somebody else ruin my day um, and I've learned so much now, which I use in my own teaching and, uh, and work that, you know, nothing is really ever personal. Like I've really come a long way, but it's work. It takes time to work through that. And, um, you know, having, having my kids has taught me so much about myself <laughs> and others, but you're so, you're so, it's so true. Like if I have like, you know, I'll have a great call with someone. I'll have a breakthrough with someone. I'll have something that, you know, changed their lives or something. And I mean, that is the best feeling I could ever feel. Like there's nothing better than that. Ecstasy. Yeah. You get oxytocin, you get MDMA. I mean, I don't know if you've ever taken ecstasy. I have, and it's amazing. (laughs) I've taken it once and it was like, wow, seriously, we're not, this is amazing. Like I was dancing with my wife and it was like, wow, this is amazing. But don't recommend it, but it's no. still, it, it's still a feeling. And it's a, it's something your body, all it does is it turns on what your body already has MDMA and you just, everything gets so sensual and sensitive and beautiful and loving. And you have a talent. Everyone does it. Everyone produces their own ecstasy and you have a, an abundance of that capability for, to produce in other people as well and show them how to do it. So why would you not choose that as a profession? Why would you not have that every day if you can have, if you have an abundance of that skill and that would you, they would say is your life purpose, right? Go there. I'm really curious if you just say maybe two sentences about how did you get out of the people pleasing to work through that? Because this is such a big issue for my clients. Yeah, um, it really was, gosh, I don't know. I don't know if I can articulate it. You know, going from a corporate career that I had in marketing for many years that I did love, but, um, you know, because I'm so, I'm the way that I am, it was really based on others' approval, right? And breaking away from that is part of what helped. Um, And then just really being able to look at the way we, really looking at cognitive behavioral therapy, actually, I think is really what it did. So as I'm I'm thinking, I'm thinking this through as, as I'm saying it, is noticing the story you tell yourself when somebody comes at you or a situation is happening or your child says something to you. It's actually what you say to yourself about it and what you're saying to yourself about it is all about your own past 
pain, your judgments, it's not actually real. And I always say, you know, that the thoughts that are happening in our, in our heads are happening all the time, literally a train of thought. And then we see one of those train cars as one that fits. So that's a thought that's like, uh Oh, my kid's never going to be okay. Or I'm the worst mom ever, or I can't do this anymore. And we get on that train car and that train car is full of, you know, abuse to ourselves. It's full of stories that don't fit. And I always say to people, so that fuels your emotion. And so I'm making sort of a triangle here at the top are your thoughts about the situation. That's actually not good or bad. That's what I've learned. It's not good or bad. It's what you tell yourself, then it's the feelings that you feel based on what you're telling yourself. And then you go to react. That's that final triangle. But if you were actually to look at that situation and not bring yourself into it and, and say to yourself, well, I wonder why you're saying that instead, you know, or wonder how, like, it's more about how come than it is you did this to me, you know, how come you said it that way? Because it's actually not about me, because what I know now to be true is that we're all operating from our own places of anxiety and worry and um, pain, right? Because we operate from the place we were hurt the most, right? And I'm sure, I wonder if you can see that in hands too, like we get stuck in these places. And so if you are able to put yourself aside for a minute and just simply go in with more curiosity, you can see, oh, it was never about me. This person's over here feeling their own feelings about something and they they came at me. I don't wanna say attacked because that's a judgment. They came at me in this way because actually underneath their expression, which is the yelling, the, the anger, the whatever it is, is actually a feeling that needs to be validated right? Or an, a, a feeling that needs to be validated. There's a need that isn't getting met. Like I need you to hear me, to see me, to understand me, or there's just a skill that they don't have yet. Right. And that goes for kids. It goes for adults as well. And so really being able to come from a place of understanding stops you from putting yourself in the middle of it. So that helped me, um, I still am a bit of a people pleaser. I think, um, you know, being, doing the work that I do now, putting myself online, putting myself, you know, I used to run lots and lots of ads. People would make comments about how, you know, they, they bought my book and didn't get it. Well, they put their email in wrong or it just went to trash because that's what happens to emails. And people would call me a fraud and a liar. And I mean, that hurt me so much. People would talk about my appearance. And I, you know, um, and definitely, you know, I've used food to, you know, compensate to, you know, all, all that. I mean, I've done it all right. Um, and I'm 40 and will be 47. So, I mean, I just like, I've had a lot of life under my belt too, to experience all of this stuff too, but, but really becoming a mom has helped me. And really like my son, the, the evil Knievel, uh, as you say, he's the one that, you know, and this is what I want parents to see too, is that this is an invitation really for you to heal yourself so that you can show up in the way your child needs you to show up for them. Because it's not about you like his, you know, if anything, showing what you've showed me is that he has his own destiny. He has his own life path, which is so different from my own. And I need to just honor who he is. And it's not about me. It's not about bringing my stuff into it. Like I can't make him 
into the person I am. And we want our kids to be like us. Like if I look at my husband's hand being sort of that thick, you know, you know, working down to earth hand, he cannot make our kids well, except for Aiden, because Aiden is like him, but he can't make Parker that way. That's just not who Parker is. And so trying to get a square hand to fit into a, you know, different into a oh. round. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. You know, it's impossible to do. And so that's why in order to be the best parent you can be, and which is, I think what we all want to be, we just don't know how. And so this just helps us to understand ourselves better and that of other people. And, um, and I mean, it, it's so, it's so, like it's so sweet for me to hear I don't know what other word to use that you can see that in my hand you know because I think that's a totally unbiased uh you know look at who I am right just look at it is Charlie Sheen in a love story right is yeah yeah right is he is Eminem in a love story or Dave Grohl or Johnny Depp sharing his heart and soul when he gets interviewed no And neither, neither is, you know, the, the, the head physicists of, right. of, uh, of CERN, right? You know, yeah. so these guys, the love people are here on a special purpose because the best I can say is that God created it. You didn't really have a choice. You came in with these fingerprints and, the, and some things are biological. And when you talk about that triad, which was beautifully stated, thank you for saying that. What you are able to see is that you recognized your thoughts about it. And some of those thoughts carried a little bit of trauma or anxiety with it. And you asked me, is this red in the hands? Yes, it's red in the fingerprints. So if we go into the thoughts of whatever your lowest ranking fingerprint is, and we go back to wherever this area is where we're, we're looking at uh, Parker's um, you know, sensitivity to the criticism and anger out in the world. That's where his trauma is. And whenever his la- whenever he languages something like criticism, he's linking it to all those other painful because he was born into that pain. He already had a pain there and he already is languaging it. And if you can teach him in your you know, judo, verbal judo, cognitive psychology, how to interrupt that language, yeah. to pa- pause and say, hmm, how is that, right? Yeah. It's not about me. They're, and validate the person's feelings. That, that's beautiful how you said it. I, I think that there was so much gold in what you just said because of the personal work and evolution you have gone through. And so I would say for everybody, who with waves, everything that you just heard in the last 15 minutes, please, you know, go listen to it again and underscore it, write it down, read it, you know, memorize it about how when people rush rush to judgments and they have anxious moments where you can look in your hand and look at your fingerprints and see, because this is the limbic system we're reading and the limbic is the, the part that triggers you. And you can see some areas are better than others in certain fingers, yeah. uh, especially I can show you that map. Um, you can see exactly where your, where your anxiety is and where you create an anxious story, a fiery need to protect yourself in this area. And you'll end up validating a very strong 
um, story out of that. Yeah, now, yeah. coming to the rest of that, that was your soul. You came in with a beautiful soul. But the other thing is that as a, um, as a parent, there are different parenting techniques. Attachment parenting is one of them. And you have a deep amount of connection to your kids. That is seen if you look at your lifeline and the headline when they can join, you have a family parenting pattern where they got uh, enmeshed. That means that the expectations of what uh, your mom felt about you matter. Some people don't. The headline, if you look at, for example, Jodie Foster, her headline and lifeline separate. So she's not jumping out uh, as, as the first example for somebody who is a family woman. She's a woman who was pretty much at five years old now on her career. Yeah, right. And so she was a, independent at such an early age. And wherever that um, independence shows, the, the more the person wants to be a free mind, doesn't want anyone else to tell them what to do. Here's the example in case you're, you're watching on video. See how it's like mm -hmm. a half inch between the headline and the lifeline. She doesn't want anyone telling her how to do it and what to do. And she doesn't think from a consensus point of view. It's her versus silent in silence of the lamb versus and she's the autonomous figure through them. She's not working as a group. She was being herself there. But when we look at your hand, look how interdependent it is. And so when you look at the people with an interdependent where the headline doesn't even take off from the lifeline until about an inch the way in, you have this guy who is an entrepreneur for all these St. Bernards and he comes in and he's back and he, he's now part of the family. You think he can get out of this situation now? He can't. So he's, he's really enmeshed with a motherly like spirit because that's the way he was raised. And he's nurturing the next person, the next generation to take care of these St. Bernards in Switzerland. Mm because of that headline lifeline conjunction. And you see that a lot in Indian families that had a arranged marriage, mm. you know, the family's important and the mm. family values need to be understood. And you need to, you know, um, your mom needs to get in your business and, <laughs> and connect, right? So you have that really strong um, uh, connection or need for the connection. Another way you can look at this is the headline and lifeline conjunction is how you get your emotional regulation. Hmm. So if I am Jody Foster and I'm hurting and I'm feeling that my feelings, I, I don't know where to go to. Maybe the parents were like, you're strong. You can do this. Now the, the emotional regulation is herself. But if you're taught at an early age that it's safe to go to mom, it's okay. And it's safe to go in and even share the bed with mom until you're four years old. A lot of, uh, I'm married to a Romanian woman who has that as a philosophy. And, you know, I can't get her out of bed. It's just, but you look at, you see the actual evolution that the child was developed in a different way from the head and, and lifeline, and then it changes back from the conditioning. 
that mom's in her life and this is and now they're totally dependent on mom walks out the door where's mommy where's mommy where's mommy right yeah so there's a dependency there and it comes with a blessing and a curse it's attachment parenting right there yeah and yeah. and then the other uh is the heart line as it rises up it keeps going and going and going and it touches all the way to the index finger so this is a woman whose heart goes out to the world and she has a strong need for caring connection support she feels other people's feelings very deeply and wants you to feel good and wants to assure you and support you and to be there as a good good listener right so you know, when you put that already a good heart line or spirit that goes out to the world that feels everyone's feelings with a heart that already a soul that is so feeling in its nature. Now we have somebody who I hope is doing work uh, that is in relationship management because she can't think in any other way. So you would put that if you just gave me that hand, I would advise that person to go, you should be doing something in relationship manage, management. And now you love knowledge and you have all these fingers that are going out to the world. And so I would say, yeah, maybe you, you have a very um, uh, intellectual side and you also have a very thick hand as well. So you have the supportive side. There's a little bit of dryness. And I want to point that out that the, the dryness is coming from a lack of emotional expression. There's still some things you're holding on to. Uh, and why I know that is that when I, when people go through a rich transformation, their hands don't look like this anymore. Right? Like I showed you maybe in the previous uh, podcast, when somebody is going through uh, a deep transformation, like this guy in 28 days where I'm teaching them how to use his nervous system. They, they look how pink his hands turn. I right? don't see the full, I don't see the full picture. Oh, sorry. Yeah. Okay. I got, I have this problem with the, the sharing. Sorry. With the, I know it, it happens on zoom. I, I totally get it. So yeah. So this is a before. Oh, here we and go. See how white this mm. complexion is and how white the hands are. But when his, when he gets wow. life and look how pink his hands are and they're rosy and they're joyful. And mm. I'll just see if I pull up another one here so you can get the before after though, you may not see it so much in the hands, but you'll see the, the dryness in the character. Uh, here we go. So here you see somebody who has gone through a 28 day process. Oh, where shift. And you can see in, in their hand quality, they're just, they're hard hands. They're very right. hard and her complexion is just a worker bee. She's a millionaire down in, in uh, uh, Australia making big deals. But now when she goes through the process and I show you how to access your shadow side, the part that you don't like the fingerprints. And I say, eat that Brussels sprouts for 28 days. Yeah. The whole nervous system becomes invigorated and they turn into somebody beautiful from that. You can see. Wow, softer. Yeah. Look at that. She's not Super as wrinkled. Soft. The hand was soft. So it dry hands equals dry emotions. And when they get into a place of 
uh, uh, water or motion, then you're, you're emoting more. You're feeling like, hey, this is, this is a beautiful process, maybe just that day. You know, this is the hand shows maybe. typically about 14 days in. Hmm. You know, facial expressions almost immediate, right? Yeah. Wow. Inflammation is about 24 hours. You can see it in your face, but the hand shows the inflammation over 14 days. Interesting. So it's a very long-term process that you're seeing. Yeah. Well, that is just, I mean, everything that you've said is so cool. I don't know if there's anything more about me, but I mean, I think this is a great, what you have said is really true about every single person in my family from my husband being that air earth, which is really focused, but really reliable and strong. And like, he, he's just the most wonderful. I mean, he's my favorite person in in the world. So, um, and I say that like, I, he's just wonderful. Yeah, I really, truly, and such a kind, caring, person to our boys, to me, you know, he's just the best. And then, and then, yeah, you know, when, when you said Parker with his, you know, with his lines, you know, that comes from generations. I mean, he came out that way. And I say that all the time, like he kind of came out kind of ticked off. He kind of came out ready to like, and I remember somebody saying like, he hates being a baby. He hates being a baby. He just wants to like, right. And it was like, he just, he's like enough of this. Like I, you know, and he even talks now and it's not because he doesn't love us or want to be with us. He's like, I can't wait till I move out and I'm on my own and I can make my own decisions. We're like, yeah, you know, there's, there's a gap there where, from where he is now to where he can be independent on his own. Um, But the little things bore him to death. Like he doesn't want to learn how to make himself eggs. For example, he doesn't, couldn't care less about some of these smaller things. He just, you know, anyway, but that has to be learned too. Um, And then Aiden, you know, really, really methodical, caring, thoughtful, um, you know, he is a leader within his friend group too. You know, I've seen it. Um, very intelligent, but not somebody who needs to sh- tell everybody how smart he is, or, you know, doesn't need, doesn't need that external validation like my older son does. Um, and then for me, I mean, I just, I just, I do like, I really love, love. <laughs> I said like, I love, love. I, anything, you know, that makes me feel loved and that I can love on someone, like there's just nothing better. And it has, you know, that realization that nothing is personal. It's definitely helped me in my relationships. Um, you know, my friend relationships, family relationships, you know, there are some places where I struggle, some places where I've been really, really hurt. And what you said, like, I just put a wall up, like I completely withdraw. And as much as I love, love and all that stuff, I definitely need to be alone because I cannot, I cannot keep, like, I need to be alone and, and quiet um, because it is a lot. And uh, I think sometimes I feel too much. So Anyway, that's that. So you've really nailed everything. And um, so I just want to sort of end and say that um, check your show notes because we have a special offer from you if you want to do a a, a quick hand reading. um, And also in the toolbox, we just have a a guide for you to just sort of see, you know, have a look at your kids, um, your kids' hands, your own hands, just to kind of have a look. And if you want to go further than that, that's what Brent is doing. So 
all of the information is in the show notes. And uh, I really encourage you to take a look. And, you know, this is about honoring you, honoring who your child is and not making it personal. And that's one of the things I say every day in parenting. When I talk to parents, it's never personal. And we just need to really understand why it's not personal. And this is a really great step to understanding that on a new and different way. So I just can't thank you enough for being here. Thank you for taking the time to do my family um, and, uh, and tell me a little bit more about them and myself. I think it's, it's just been such a cool experience and I hope other people will take you up on this experience too. Thank you for creating the, the space for it. And it's a great opportunity and you have such a loving family and uh, it's very clear to see the roles that everyone is playing in the family. Now that you, you know, piece together what I've, I've said and you. you can see the conflicts that might, might happen there just by piecing what I, what I said. So thank you. Yes. And I've learned some brilliant way to also explain the loop. So I really appreciate your take on that. So cool. Well, thank you again. And, uh, and again, all of your information is, uh, is in the show notes and your book is the power in your hands. So you definitely want to have a look at that. Um, do you want to, your website, um, remind me again, your website for people. It's uh, www.thepowerinyourhands.com. And then, you, you know, check out the testimonial of the family that's there. This is just this gorgeous Scottish family. And mm. they had, uh, they're everybody, um, you know, the, the, the two sons and, and daughter. And, and it was just really nice to um, see everybody get the hand reading and, and you can see what it does for the family. It's an icebreaker. No yeah. kidding. It yeah. allows you to have an extraordinary conversation that you would normally never. In fact, nowhere in the world will you ever have this conversation that's so intimate about your design. Uh, you can try to take tests about it, but here we're talking a very intimate read of your nervous system and the architecture and the honor that pain that you might be experiencing and to support each other with that. That's a very valuable tool to be learned sooner than later if you care about the harmony within the family. Yeah. Oh, it's, it's incredible. And uh, I can't wait to show my kids. So my kids and my husband, so it's going to be great. So again, thank you so much for being here and thanks everybody for listening. And don't forget to go to the parent toolbox, which is www.parent-toolbox.com. Awesome. Thanks. Thanks so much. Bye for now. Bye. Thank you for listening to this edition of my podcast, Parenting Our Future. I'm parent coach Robin McMahon. And if you're enjoying this podcast, please share it with someone who you think might also need to hear this message. And don't forget to subscribe. And if you like my work, I'd be grateful if you gave me a five-star rating. For those of you who like my content and want more, visit me at yellingcurebook.com to get your copy of my book and to find other resources to help you. Until next time, I am wishing you and your family peace and connection.